All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? What a full morning so far, huh? Isn't that awesome? You know what? Uh, I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad you guys are here today. My name's Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor here. And you know, a lot of what we saw this morning is what I love about our church, is that it is full of young people. Um, We have a lot of young people. We have a lot of young kids in our church. And one of the things that I love about our church is that we do as best we can to invest God's word into them and to help them grow uh, and to see them really reach their full, t- full potential and who they are in Christ. And uh, really, we've seen it all summer long during this season's series, all right? Um, you know, Jeff is so committed to, to seeing leaders develop that you know, he's willing to give up the pulpit for a, for a season uh, and help that develop other guys like myself. And that's just one of the things I appreciate about Jeff. And so I'm, I'm glad to be here uh, this morning. As I said, we are wrapping up our seasons series. That's hard to say, our seasons series. And uh, in true season fashion, we're coming full circle. All right. We, uh, we started off this summer with Kale, and he talked about uh, students. Uh, we worked our way up through several different stages of life. And uh, last week, uh, Jim talked about uh, grandparenting. Uh, and really, no matter what stage of life you, you're in, Man, let me encourage you guys, if, if you weren't here, maybe the week that was specific to you, make sure you go back and listen to that, because there was just a lot of great stuff uh, this summer. But, but we're coming full circle, all right? And today we're talking about young kids, all right? So we started with students, worked up to grandparents, and today we're talking about raising young kids. Now, I've been a parent for a full two and a half years now. I guess so. I think I know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> and not, well, not only that, but I, uh, I am the number one dad, and I have the socks to prove it right there, okay? Now, they don't just give those to anyone. You have to, you have to buy them, but, um, uh, you know, this, uh, this message today, this is just as much for me as it is anyone out there, um, but, but raising kids is a joy, isn't it? Raising kids is a challenge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but here's the thing that we have to remember, is that we only have our young kids with us for a season. So enjoy it while it lasts. Make the most of it. Uh, you know, I have, I have a daughter. She's two and a half now. Her name's Emma. And uh, we were at the, the park this summer, at, you know, riding the rides. And she is riding the, the spaceship ride, you know, down at Tuscora. And after a couple laps in, she's already, you know, she's com- coming and going, trying to talk to us, trying to have a conversation. She's already going saying, I want to ride the cars over there. I want to ride the airplanes. I wanna, you know, and, and I'm thinking, I'm standing there, I'm thinking, okay, you know what? Let's just enjoy this ride, and then we'll move on to the next one, right? Let's just enjoy the ride while it lasts. And what I'm afraid of is sometimes, depending on the season of life that you're in, you're kind of looking forward to the next one but you miss all the opportunity that's in the season that you're currently in. And so really, if there's anything that we can learn from this whole series this summer, it's that, listen, make the most of the season that God has you in. Because if you're always wishing for the next one, then you're never really going to get to make a difference in the one that you're in. You're always going to be wishing that you were somewhere else. So, So make sure you don't miss the opportunity that comes 
with the season that you're in. But as I said, raising kids is, is hard, okay? How many of you have young kids? Raise your hands. Keep them up for me, okay? How many of you have ever had young kids? Raise your hands. Okay, all right. And how many of you ever were a young kid? Okay, all right. So that's about everyone in the room. Just about everybody. But it's difficult, right? We never know what's in store from day to day. One day they could be an angel. The next day we swear they're possessed, okay? They could be the most well-behaved kid one day. And then the next day, you know, they're, they're a crazy child. There's, uh, you know, Jim, Jim Gaffigan, community put it this way, there's a law of um, behavioral averages, and it is, um, uh, it is a law of physics that all the children will behave as poorly as the most poorly behaved kid in the room, right? So if, like, one kid is running and screaming through the halls, all of the kids are running and screaming through the halls. And it's something they've never done before, but... It's just the way it works, right? They just rub off on each other, and, and you just never know what's in store. Uh, you know, I get to see a lot of kids. Obviously, as I said, I'm the kids pastor here, and it's, it's one of the things I love is uh, seeing you guys come in with your families and dropping them off in the class. But what, what I'm afraid of sometimes is that parents get this drop-off mentality when it comes to church. And, like, you're going to bring them to church, you're going to let church teach them spiritual stuff about God, and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be kind of hands-off, okay? Um, but uh, it is not the church's responsibility to raise your kid. It's the family's responsibility to raise your kid. Um, now, there was um, a, a research group called the Rethink Group. Okay, Any, any guesses on how many uh, bouncy balls we've got in here this morning? Anyone? That doesn't, like, I haven't already told the answer to? Just yell, just yell it out. Just yell it out. Oh, yes, I heard it. 50. Okay. There are 50 bouncy balls in this vase. And you know what that represents? That represents the amount of hours an average church has of impact in your child's life. A year. Okay? So the average church has 50 hours of impact a year. And listen, the church plays a huge role in a kid's life. Okay? Uh, I have a lot of history at this church. I grew up here. Okay? Okay? Um, I love this church. Uh, really, a, a, lot of, a lot of history. I can remember it was back up over here, what's now the extreme wing. Uh, my sixth grade class used to meet up there, and uh, before class one day, someone dared me to hide behind the door before our teacher came in, and so I did, and then I never found a really good time to, to come out from behind the door, <laughs> and so it was like in the middle of their, their lesson, I was finally like, Okay, this has gone far enough. You know, the longer I'm back there, the more I'm like, okay, this is just getting harder and harder to come out, you know. So, uh, you know, I had a little talking to by the teacher afterwards. Uh, but a lot of stuff. On the other side of this wall right here is our gym. I tore my ACL over there, okay. So, fun, you know, good memories and bad. Um, back up over here in this corner of the church is uh, our adventure zone for our school-age kids. And that used to be our youth room. There's a back room there. And it was in that back room that I knelt down and surrendered my life to Christ. Um, it was right here in this spot that I married my wife, okay? So church, this church has been a big part of my life. I have a lot of history in this church, and no doubt the church has an impact on a kid's life, but it doesn't compare to the impact my family has had on my life. And you know what? I can't talk about parenting without giving honor to my mom and dad back there, okay? Now, I might be a little biased, but I think they, they did a good job raising a few good, godly men 
and my little brother, Zach. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no one bats a thousand, okay? Just do your, do your best, all right? But here, here's what we're going to see. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to see that God has given parents the unique responsibility to spiritually direct and mold their child's identity in Christ. And what we're going to see today is the Bible really breaks this down into just a couple key components that I really think all of us can get a, to get a, can get a hold on. Um, and so if you would, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray before we jump into this, all right? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, this morning we do come to you, and God, first of all, we thank you for all that you've done this summer. We thank you for the lives that were changed from the London trip. We thank you for the lives that were changed at summer camp. Uh, God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to teach our kids this summer uh, your word. And uh, Lord, I just pray today that, uh, that you would teach us, that you would um, guide us, and, and that we would hear from you uh, on how we can better really raise the kids that you've blessed us with. Amen. All right, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, up until this point in Deuteronomy, all right, we've got Moses talking here, all right? Uh, and he's recapping all that's happened since they left Egypt, all right? So Deuteronomy 1 through 5, he's kind of, you know, hitting the highlights from when they've, when they've stepped out of Egypt. But then in chapter 6, he kind of turns a corner and he begins instructing the nation of Israel on what he wants them to do before they enter the promised land, okay? Now, just a quick side note. You may look back at the Old Testament and think, okay, what does, what does this really have to do with me? What is, how does the nation of Israel you know, apply to my life? But what you may not know is that the nation of Israel in the Old Testament is actually a picture of the individual believer today. So we see stuff like in Exodus 4.22, and, and God calls Israel his son. We look in the New Testament several places, and we see like in John 1.12, where we're considered the sons of God. And so what we can do is we can kind of begin to see how their relationship with God um, plays out. And we can see some parallels and make some connections in our own lives uh, with our relationship with God and, and see how we can apply those things. And so that's really what we're going to be doing today, all right? We're going to see in our passage that there's some very clear, simple instruction that God gave Israel when it came to raising their kids. And then we'll see how that applies to our life. All right? You guys with me? Is that cool? All right. So let's read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read 1 through 9. All right? Uh, verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. And this is really what we're going to focus on today, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates." 
Okay, so the first thing I want us to see here, there's really, there's really two parts to this. The first point is that God gives us and the nation of Israel a singular message. All right, a singular message. And this is the first thing I want us to see. This is what God gives us to share and to teach our kids. Look again in verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love, love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. All right? So the message that God gave Israel is that there is one God. There is one God. Now, the nation of Israel had a real danger of um, going after other gods. All right? They were surrounded by people groups and enemies that worshipped idols. Uh, but really... How's that any different for us today? You know, our, our gods just look different. They just might not be as obvious. But the advice that God gives the nation of Israel to deal with this is, the, is true for us just as much as it was for them back there. Look, look in verse 14. It should be up on the screen. Ye shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. All right, now listen. We are surrounded by people every day we are bombarded with messages daily that tell us to go after other gods, right? We're always being told to chase the paycheck, um, you know, to, to experience this pleasure, to try this relationship. It's all about us making ourselves our own God and forgetting that there is really only one God, and he's the only one worth serving, all right? When we, it starts out in verse 4, and it's like Moses saying, hey... Listen up, Israel. Hear, O Israel, okay? The Lord our God is one Lord, and we have to remember that there is only one God worth our pursuit, and we must love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. Love him with all your heart, all of your affection, everything that you love. Love him with all of your soul, all of your emotion and your intellect, everything that you think and feel. Love him with all of your might, all of your effort, everything that you do, okay? If there is one thing that we instill in our children, it must be that there is only one God worth serving. It is not some job, it is not some status, it is not some relationship, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who has freed us from sin and gives us eternal life. And that's it. That is the only God that exists and the only God that is worth serving. And here's the key to passing this message on to our children, okay? God, God says, look, this is the message I want you to give to your kids, and this is the key to doing it. We see it in verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. In other words, parents, this message that I'm giving you to teach your kids, you need to take it to heart first. You need to take it to heart. Before parents can pass on the message, they must personalize the message. I actually have it this way, and this is kind of just for Rich. Parents must personalize and practice what they preach prior to passing it on. Okay? I apologize, front row. All right? Rich, is, Rich likes the alliteration, okay? But parents have to personalize the message before they can pass it on to their own kids, all right? If we want our kids to continue in the faith, we have to internalize the message that we've been commanded to teach them. We have to be about it, 
not just talk about it. We have to demonstrate it for our kids and not just lecture them on it. All right, Jim uh, Mastrione said it last week, talking about grandparenting. And there was a lot of great examples just for parents last week. Uh, I'd encourage you to listen to that. But he says, look, let them catch you reading your Bible and praying. Let them see you opening up your house and sharing your table with your neighbors. Let them join you when you come to serve at the church. All right? We have to demonstrate this for our kids if we really want them to carry on the faith. We will not pass on our faith and values by accident or just by talking about them. We must be intentional in exposing our kids to the one true God, and we must show them what it looks like to serve Him. All right? We have to show our kids. We can't just tell them about it. That's part of it. But then we have to back up what we're saying. Okay? So, God has given us one key message to teach our kids. But he has also given us a proven method to carry it out. And that's your second blank. That's your second blank. is a simple method. A simple method. Let's, let's look in verses 7 through 9. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All right? These guys are helping me out here. But listen, here's the thing. Here's the first part to the method that God gives us. We have to teach our kids diligently. Teach your kids diligently. All right? Now, remember these 50 hours? Okay? The Rethink group, um, they found out the, church has, the average church has 50 hours of impact in a kid's life. All right? Any guesses on how many hours of impact the family has in a kid's life? Just yell them out. Four, did I hear? No. <laughs> Any guesses? Yell them out. Listen, if, someone, if you, someone can yell out the exact number, you get to cut in line at lunch, Okay. 18? No, more than that. 1,000? No, more than that. How much? Not that much. I don't think there's that many hours in a year. What's that, Aaron? Yes, 3,000. The average family... One more. The average family has 3,000 hours. 3,000 hours <laughs> of impact in a child's life a year. All right? Now, could you imagine the faith that you could anchor in your children? Could you imagine the legacy that you could leave in your family? Could you imagine the difference that you could make in your child's life and in this world if you took advantage of the 3,000 hours of impact that you have? Remember, we've got, at the church, we've got 50. And you know what? We do our best in those 50. We try to fill them. But even then, it doesn't compare to the impact 
that the family can have. And that's why God has given the responsibility of raising your kids to you. It seems overwhelming, right? We think, we think, how can I keep track and how can I take advantage of all of these moments, all right? My kid is lucky if I remember to pack their lunch in the morning, all right? And you want me to, to fill 3,000 hours of Bible lessons, okay? Well, okay, not exactly Bible lessons, but here's the thing. Here's the key is you have to be intentional. I've already said it. I'm going to keep saying it. But you have to be intentional in raising your kids. It's not going to happen on accident, You have to be diligent to teach your kids. You have to make it a priority because it is your God-given responsibility. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to to break things down into smaller steps whenever they're kind of big, okay? So when I've got a big project going on, I I try to break it up into small tasks. When I've got uh, several distractions coming at me, I try to focus in on one vision. And that's what I love about this passage is that God does that for us, okay? He gives us a simple system to follow. Look in verse 7. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Okay, so he says, Here, here's what I want you to say, and this is when I want you to say it. He says, talk about it when you sit in your house, when you're on the road, when you go to sleep, when you wake up. Let's think about those moments right now. All right, just currently. Uh, let, let me ask you this. If, if we were to take inventory of those moments with your family now, wh- what would we find? How do we fill that time? Remember, our message is that there's only one God. Are we communicating that to our kids? Would our kids see that there's only one true God worth serving? Or would they see something else? Are we too busy complaining about our job or wishing that we had nicer things or worrying about finances that we miss the opportunities to show our kids that we're thankful that we have a job and that we can work? That that we're grateful for the blessings that God has already poured out on us? Or are we looking to show them ways that we can be generous to those that need it? What would our kids see? What God do we talk about? What God do we teach our kids is worth following? What God do we show our kids is worth serving? Instead of concerning yourself with the gods of the people which are around about you, like uh, God was telling Israel to watch out for, what if we replaced our conversation uh, with some of these things? I got a little chart here for you. Now here's a little chart that, uh, this has just helped me out. I've come across this. Uh, It helps me out and maybe, maybe it'll help you out as well. But let's just look through this real quick, okay? Uh, We've got mealtime. Now, this is ideal for like a focused discussion, and this is kind of your role as a teacher. All right, now, hopefully, you know, I know as kids get older, it gets harder to sit down for dinner, but hopefully if you're able to do that, everyone's there, no one's going anywhere for at least a few minutes, okay? Um, This is really a time for you to establish your values as a family. Establish your family values during mealtime, all right? Talk about and teach your kids uh, what it means uh, to to follow only one God. So establish your values. And then there's drive time, okay? Uh, This is a time to let your kids drive the agenda, all right? The goal here is to have a discussion, all right? To have an informal dialogue. 
Ask them about life. Ask them about school, about friends, about their interests. All right, the goal is to get them to talk to you, and then you listen. And you can help them uh, make sense of their life on their own discovery. There's bedtime, okay? Now, there's actually a lot of potential here, and sometimes we miss it if we send our kids off to bed kind of on their own. So remember, we have to be intentional with our kids. This is a time for intimate conversation with your child in the privacy of their own room, all right? Uh, what I like to do with Emma is I like to get just close enough, all right? I, she's in a big girl bed now, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get down there with her, and I'll talk just loud enough so that, so that only she can hear me, all right? Um, it's time to, to pray with your kids. It's a good time just to pray with them. Listen to what's on your kid's heart. Okay, for me right now, you know, I say, Emma, do, you know, do you want to pray? And if, if she does want to pray, usually she said, no, Daddy prays, so I'll pray. Uh, but if she wants to pray, it's usually, uh, thank you for Mommy, thank you for Teddy Bear, and thank you for Sawyer, her friend, okay? So, like, that's it. Now, it may seem like a small thing. They might seem like small things. But here's the thing. If we make a big deal of the small things now, then eventually, when they have a big deal in their life, it'll be a small thing for them to come to you and talk about it because we make a big deal of the little stuff now. I, I want my kids to, to come to me when they're struggling with stuff, when they're hurting, when they need help, all right? And so what I'm doing now is, is I'm taking those little things that she, she brings to me and I'm making big deals out of them. Uh, hopefully what it does is it sets a pattern, all right? It sets a pattern for, for them in the future. This is a time to build intimacy, to build intimacy at bedtime. All right, then we've got morning time. All right, this is a new start to a new day, and I understand in the morning there's not a lot of structured family time, okay? Uh, I can imagine what, what that's like. But if you're careful to choose just a few encouraging words for your kids and, and either speak them to them or write them down for them so that they see a note, maybe if you're not there when, when you wake up or whatever. Uh, but what that can do, those encouraging words, that can plant a seed in your child's life that will really help them then get through the rest of the day and be able to face anything that comes at them. All right, think of your role as a coach just about to send a player in from the sideline, right? You kind of give them that little spiritual pat on the behind, give them the encouragement they need to get out there and make a difference, okay? That's the goal for the morning. Children learn best through a pattern or routine, all right? So what is, what's the pattern that you're setting up for your kids? What's the routine that you have with your family. Find one that works and then be intentional about what you communicate. We have to teach our kids diligently. The second part to the simple method is to remind yourself constantly. Remind yourself constantly. We will not pass on our faith by accident. We have to be intentional. We have to remind ourselves. Now, personally, we see this in verse 8, all right? There's two ways to remind ourselves constantly, and that is personally. In verse 8, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, okay? These words that he's talking about, this, they're supposed to bind it to their hand and put it between their eyes. Now, do you know what they did? They made a physical and a personal reminder that they would come in contact with on a daily basis, all right? The modern interpretation of this today is called phylacteries, okay, I think we got a picture up here, all right, so you might have seen some Orthodox, Orthodox Jews wearing something like this, what they do, take four passages of scripture, the same four, and one of them is the, the passage we're looking at today, actually Deuteronomy 6, 
They write it on a piece of paper, fold it up real small, they put it in this little box, and then they take that box and they either put it on a leather strap and wrap it up their arm, or they put it on a leather strap and tie it around their head. Okay? Now, I think we would all remember what God told us to do if we had to walk around with it in the smack dab middle of our forehead, right? Like, not a bad idea. You know, I look a little funny today. Um, but that's what they did. All right? Um, now, we don't have to have boxes hanging from our foreheads, you know, as frontlets between our eyes, but we should have God's Word before our eyes on a daily basis, constantly reminding ourselves the mission that He has given us with our kids. All right, and then just for fun, okay, I've got these, uh, I had these orange wristbands made up for parents. Um, they've got the, the reference on them from today. You can pick those up in the hallway, in your kid's hallway, a little orange bowl when you go to get them, and hopefully it'll just serve as a little reminder um, to, to, of what you're supposed to, to teach your kids. Uh, so feel, feel free to grab one of those today. So remind yourself personally and then publicly. Deuteronomy 6.9, Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All right? God commanded Israel to write these words on their house. Think about it. Every time they go out, they're reminded. Every time they get home, they're reminded. Their neighbors can walk by and they can see what they believe and they can see whether or not they practice it. All right? When they made it public, they were just being accountable to their neighbors. And that's really what reminding yourself publicly is all about. It's all about accountability. All right, the way we do that here at First Baptist is we have these things called life groups. Jeff talked about them. There's an insert in your bulletin. If you're not part of a, of a midweek life group, man, I would strongly recommend that you get plugged in uh, this fall. And, and, you know, you might be thinking, you know, I don't need another message in the middle of the week. And that might be true. But I do know that what we need as parents is the accountability and the encouragement that comes with sharing your stage of life with the community. All right? So, remind yourself personally, do what you have to do to, to get, to get uh, quiet time with God. Remind yourself um, on a personal level, on a daily basis, and then remind yourself publicly. Be accountable. We have a singular message that God has called us to teach our children. We have, uh, we've seen a simple method to help us carry it out. Okay, but what's all this for? All right, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. Why, why are we doing it this way? Here's the way I have it in your notes. We cannot force our kids to love God. But what we expose them to will influence who they will become. We cannot force our kids to love God. But what we expose them to will influence who they will become. When we try to force our kids to do something, that's usually when we're telling them to do something, but we're not showing them how to do it, right? Uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do. That is awful parenting advice, okay? That just, it doesn't work. That is not how kids learn. We have to show them. We have to demonstrate it for them. We have to expose them to the work of the Lord if we want them to continue it. Uh, look at the result that it had for Israel in, uh, later on in this chapter, verses 20 through 23, okay? So they do their diligence to teach their kids um, regularly and to remind themselves constantly, and then look what it results in. Verse 20. When thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Okay, so someday your kids are going to come to you and they're going to say, Why do we do these things? Why are we always talking about God? Why are we always praying? Why are we always trying to be a blessing to others? Why do we go to church? What does all of this mean? Look in verse 21. Thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. 
And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. Now, just as Israel had the chance to share with their kids how God delivered them from Egypt, isn't it, isn't it our prayer as parents to get to share with our kids how God delivered us from sin? Right? Don't we hope for the opportunity to, to, for our kids to hear the gospel and for them to accept it because they've seen what it's done in our lives? And so we do these things. We, we grind through you know, the daily issues of parenting so that one day our kids will ask us, what does all this mean? And we'll get to tell them that God loved us so much. He sent His only Son to die for us, to pay for our penalty of sin. That is why we do what we do as a family. That is why we keep the commandments of God. That's our prayer as parents. And listen, if your kids are older uh, and they haven't come to this point yet, look, hang in there. All right, remain faithful. Continue to serve God and to teach your kids that there is only one God because someday they'll have to ask themselves, what does all this mean? High school, middle school students, you guys um, growing up in a Christian home and you're seeing your parents do these things and maybe it's never really clicked for you. Let me tell you, now is the time for you to decide whether or not you're going to serve God with your life. And you're confronted with the question, what does this mean for me? And I know my prayer and I know the prayer of your parents is that you would carry on the same faith that they have. We saw today that God had very clear instructions for the nation of Israel when it came to what he wanted them to teach their children and how. We must be as intentional and faithful with our own children. The hope of our children and the generations to come depends on our faithfulness as parents. Jim shared this uh, passage last week, and I'm glad he did. I love this passage. Psalm 78, 1 through 7. Listen to this. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which, which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Look at this. This is why we do what we do in verse 7. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That is why we need to be faithful parents. Could you imagine what our families would look like if we were diligent to teach our kids that there is one God worth serving? And then could you imagine what our church would look like if our families looked like that? Could you imagine what difference we could make in this world if we just followed the simple instructions that God gave Israel? Could you imagine? 
starts small, and it grows big. Our message today was Biblical Parenting 101, because I really don't know how to make it any more basic than this. If we want our kids to carry on the faith, teach them that there is one God, and tell them every chance you get. Let's pray. Lord, this morning...